This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 626 This episode was pre-recorded. Can the comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Let's all take our seats. It's Crisis 314, Identity Crisis. This is how I got my wife to read comics. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, and you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Who killed Sue Dibney? Has Gene Loring been added to the killer's victims? What other secrets are the JLA hiding in Identity Crisis? Identity Crisis number four by the same creative team, except a new assistant editor, Michael Siglin. We're back with Jean hanging from a rope. Ray arrives via telephone, breaking the rope by growing inside it. He goes to full size, letting her down and providing mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. She awakens to just like the old days. Now the team is brought in to investigate. Despite the alien security tech, no alarms were set off. Mr. Miracle notes a teleporter could be involved. Superman is brought in, who notes the type of knot that was used. He was a Boy Scout, of course. Oracle does a quick search. Slipknot uses the same type of hitch. Unfortunately, Slipknot is in prison for, of all things, shoplifting. Clark demands, I want someone speaking to Slipknot now. Ollie notes his tone. It's fear. The killer is attacking wives of the heroes, and he's rightly concerned about Lois. Ollie knows who to bring to the investigation. Over to Slipknot with a certain golden lasso around his neck. Unfortunately, he knows nothing about all of this, despite spilling a lot of info that was essentially therapy. Clark learns this while helping out Pa in Smallville, acting as a human carjack. Oracle notes that the possible suspects were both in Suicide Squad, but Ollie thinks that's too easy. Clark suddenly appears in front of him. Don't take that tone with me. We're doing our best. We're hunting and pecking like amateurs. You saw it at the funeral, Clark. People are starting to panic, and when we start to panic, you better believe that's the exact same moment the other side finally starts to take advantage. Meanwhile, a group of villains are holding a game of risk. Merlin, Kronos, Mirror Master, Sportsmaster, while Monocle and Deadshot sit on a couch. There's an argument on whether these attacks are good for them or just stirring up a hornet's nest. Word is also getting out about Dr. Light's mind wipe. Merlin recommends they stay quiet and hope they find the imbecile who started this mess. Cut back to Captain Boomerang in his car, still waiting, still talking to the calculator. A young man walks by. Don't let him walk by this time. Speak to him. We learn this is Boomerang's son, who had to deal with reporters due to the National Enquirer article. Digger apologizes for leaving him, and they compare notes on Boomerang's. In the Batcave, Alfred brings Bruce some tea. He notes that Clark called and mentions the Suicide Squad. 
Bruce says it's not them. There's nothing for them to gain. It's the first rule of solving a crime. If you want to know who did it, you need to know who benefits. Who benefits? We now see panels of Digger and his son in the car, Calculator making another deal, Ralph sobbing on the couch, Tim and Jack Drake spending an evening together. Ollie is in a cemetery in front of Hal Jordan's grave. He's there to call up Hal, who was at this point the latest incarnation of the specter. Ollie asks him to lose the costume, and they hug it out. He's there to ask Hal who's the killer. Hal's omniscient. He has to know. Unfortunately, I report to a higher power and can't get involved. Ollie says he's the spirit of vengeance, so why not punish the guilty? It's not for me to decide. People are murdered every day, but I don't punish every murderer, and I don't smother every child killer. Even if I wanted to, that's not the way it works. Hal can't provide any info, but gets Ollie to promise to make them pay. Ollie then asks him, when are you coming back? I'm working on it. Cut to the Daily Planet and Lois. She's thinking about Clark. He's putting on a brave face, but she knows he's worried. She receives a note. Lois, I know who your husband is, with the S symbol in the word husband. You're next. By this point, why hasn't the League moved all their loved ones to the fortress or the Batcave? Well, I guess suddenly all those people disappeared. They'd know something was up? I don't know. Identity crisis number five by the same creative team. Ollie breaks into the apartment of the villains only to have Deadshot, Merlin, and Monocle with weapons drawn. Bullseye. Of course, Ollie didn't come alone and the rest of the league crashes to the wall. Bullseye. Hawkman punches Monocle in his, well, monocle. Wally nabs Merlin's arrows. Kyle puts Deadshot in a bulletproof box, which he tests, managing to shoot himself in the neck. Kyle brings down the construct and almost gets killed for doing it. Deadshot runs into Clark. We cut to shots of various heroes shaking down villains. What do you know? Vixen, Shining Knight, and Firestorm are fighting Shadow Thief, and Ronnie gets skewered. Meanwhile, Ray is keeping watch over Jean. Please don't get mushy on me. You know I hate mushy. She tells him to go find the bad guy, and he reluctantly agrees. They embrace. Back to Firestorm, who flies high in the sky before exploding. Is he dead? Someone say goodbye to my dad for me. Cut to a father and son outing with the boomerangs. They toss one back and forth with dad giving him tips. One gets out of control and almost kills Digger before his son exhibits super speed and saves him. Golden Glider isn't my mother, is she? No. Do we know who his mother is? I don't know if we do. I, I, I'm sure I could look it up. Ah, we may have to do that. Back in Gotham, Tin gives his father a JLA signaling device, telling him to use it if something goes wrong before going on patrol. They talk for a moment, with Jack wavering on whether Tim should go or not, eventually giving in. I'm proud of you, son. Jack then goes into the kitchen and finds a box with his name on it with the Robin symbol for the R. He finds a gun in the box with a note, protect yourself. He uses the JLA signaler, but Oracle says she's in the middle of something. At JSA HQ, Dr. Midnight and Mr. Terrific are still studying Sue's body. People lie. Only science tells the truth. Back to Jack, who's got Oracle's attention. Something just crashed on my roof. Whoever it is, you tell the police. I'm shooting if he comes inside. 
Oracle contacts Tim, telling him to get home, and Bruce turns around the Batmobile. Bruce calls Wally, who doesn't pick up. Bruce's face is a mask of fear. Not again! We cut back and forth between the mad chase and Tim hearing a message on the cassette recorder. If you don't get here, it's not your fault. I wanted to say how great it was today. Be sure to watch the news tonight. This is the one that puts me, that puts us on the map. We then see matching shots of Tim and Digger's son. Dad! Digger was there to kill Jack, but they managed to kill each other. Jack Drake, father of Tim Robin Drake, 1990 to 2004. Rest in peace. Jack's first appearance in Batman 455 was called Identity Crisis. Ooh. George Digger Harkness, a.k.a. Captain Boomerang, 1960 to 2004. Rest in peace. Identity Crisis number six by the same creative team. Tim finds Jack with a boomerang in his chest. Bruce holds Tim in his arms. Later, a news team does a stand-up from the apartment while Digger's son demands to see him. A government agent replies, Son, do we look stupid to you? Know how many times we've been through this? We let you near the top, he came back to life. Captain Cold, Heat Wave, even your pop, somehow all magically crawled back to the living. Your father's dead. I'm sorry for you. I truly am. But this time he's staying that way. You have a problem with that? Write your congressman. When the son asks why Batman is there, the reply, I don't know what you're talking about. The heroes grieve again as we cut from Ollie's home to various graves to the watchtower. A sequence of panels takes us through time and grave sites. Alfred comforting young Bruce, Bruce comforting young Dick, Bruce comforting Tim. We cut to Captain Cold at home, asking on the phone about the funeral and learning of Digger's son. Welcome to the life. Digger's son is at his grave, showing him the front page article. Clark and Lois hugging each other. Deadshot, Merlin, and Monocle being let go after no charges were offered. Dr. Light sitting in a chair and smiling. Digger's son, whom we looked up is named Owen, putting on his dad's costume. Ollie is tracking Deathstroke and runs into Wally. Wally notes that when they attacked Dr. Light and he escaped, the bright light showed his thoughts, specifically the shot of the League grabbing him on the satellite. Ollie had earlier noted who was there at the time, seven members. But Wally counts eight, including Batman. Was he there? Ollie hesitates, but then tells the tale. Light's memories weren't the only ones they took that night. Bruce had left after a call from Gordon before the vote was taken, but returned as Zatanna did the deed. Batman orders her to stop, but Z panics and stopped Bruce instead. They realized Bruce would never agree to keep the secret, so they voted again and wiped his memories, too. Wally is incredulous, but Ollie explains, You don't just wear the mask for yourself. It's for your wife, your parents, even for one day your children. There are animals out there, Wally, and when it comes to family, we can't always be there to defend them, but the mask will. So that's it. Bruce still has no idea. Believe me, Wally, the man's a detective. He always has an idea. We see Bruce with the protect yourself note. Back to Calculator, talking to Merlin. We learn that Amanda Waller got Luthor's old White House buddies, Lex was president for a hot minute, to spring them. The conversation turns to Boomerang. Who was he working for? Merlin assumed Calculator got Boomerang killed, but he just got him the job. 
As the conversation continues, Batman breaks into a room to find a TV and a note. Bats, we're not all morons, and then has the addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division symbols. Back to the call, Calculator notes that he was paid to arrange Dak Drake's death by an anonymous source. But if you didn't do all this, who the hell did? Back to the autopsy, Dr. Midnight has found something. There are signs of an infarction in Sue's brain. That's how she died. Could someone have made this happen? A microscopic set of footprints are also at the infarction site. Microscopic assassination. Batman realizes this at the same time. Did they call him with his info? It's not very clear. He contacts John on the watchtower. Where is Ray Palmer? He's about to canoodle with Gene now that the case is solved because Boomerang did it all. Identity Crisis number seven by the same creative team. We go around the horn. Ray and Gene getting ready for bed. John on the watchtower by Ron Muir. Wildcat with Dr. Midnight and Dr. Trific. You nuts? You telling me the Adam killed Sue Dibney? Back to Ray and Jean. It's good to have you back, Jean, and to have you safe. Speaking of which, did they ever find out who wrote that protect yourself note to Jack Drake? Oh no, that's the... How'd you know there was a note? Ray continues asking the question. That info was never released. You found my old costumes in the basement, didn't you? Oh Lord, please... Tell me you didn't kill Sue. I... I didn't mean to. Jean had intended to give Sue a small stroke in hopes that the heroes would spend more time with their significant others and Ray would return to her, but it didn't go to plan. The brain injury killed Sue. Jean had brought other weapons just in case and used a flamethrower to put the others off the scent. She then faked her own hanging. Who benefits from the death of a hero's family member? The other family members. Gene was the anonymous source who paid for Boomerang to kill Jack Drake, then sent Jack a gun to protect herself. She thought Jack would survive. Gene then says, Don't look at me like that, Ray. You should be thanking me. What? What are you going to do? Punch me in the jaw with the big knockout punch? Take me to the cops and lock me away? I'm your wife, Ray. You can't just throw me in some cell and toss the key. No, he can't, but he can have her committed to Arkham Asylum. His JLA communicator goes off, and he hands it to Dr. Arkham. Take care of my wife. He walks away sobbing and turns microscopic. I've never felt so small. Reactions abound. No one can find Ray. Katana and Black Lightning decide to go back to active duty. Clark stands in the Kent cornfield as Ma Kent tries to talk to him. Mr. Miracle realizes the microscopic option makes perfect sense. Animal Man sees his wife reading the National Enquirer, Adam's wife tortured by inmates. Merlin reads it too. Firehawk retires. Dick Grayson leaves messages for Tim. Ollie consoles Ralph. A week later, Ollie and Wally on the watchtower. If you want a good enemy, choose a friend. They know exactly where to strike. You're a real whack job, aren't you? Someone has to be. Wally starts to ask him something, and Ollie assumes it's to rejoin the League, but it's just to have dinner sometime. Wally brings up the mind wipes again. The League endures. Not if you... I'm not debating Wally. Not tonight. We zoom in on a League group photo and Batman. He's at Thomas and Martha's grave. 
please take care of Jack Drake and our friend, Sue. Back in Smallville, Ma suggests Clark take some time off. Instead, he puts the costume on. They embrace, and he flies off. He goes to a routine JLA meeting. So that's Adam and Firehawk off the reserves. Anyone else? When's the dinner with the JSA? Thanksgiving. The Titans want to do a training together session together if anyone has time. Wally is looking awkwardly at Bruce. Is there a problem, Wally? Nothing. I, I was... Say what you're thinking. I just... No problem at all. The meeting is adjourned. Epilogue. Ralph is in his apartment getting ready for bed. We see sympathy bouquets, empty bottles of gingold, the stuff that makes him stretch, and awards he has received. He's talking to someone about his day and then tells a joke about an old couple with the punchline, you're a jinx, pointing to himself in the mirror. Ralph gets into bed, wishing Sue a good night. He's alone, talking to himself. As we said, this is a dark story. It's very divisive, with reviews ranging from the comic that ruined comics to a work of staggering genius. Another negative quote, virtually every hero comes out looking like a jerk, a victim, or a pariah. The event led into a JLA arc that showed the team mistrusting each other and Bruce learning what happened. This led to Bruce creating the Brother Eye satellite, which helped to usher in Infinite Crisis. We also learn in Infinite Crisis that many of the events in Identity Crisis happened when Alexander Luther Jr. and Superboy Prime damaged timelines in hypertime, basically an excuse apology to the fans that it even happened. Gene Loring would go on to become the new Eclipso, Ralph would be killed in a later event, reuniting in the afterlife with Sue, and of course, they were eventually resurrected. In our next class, Speak of the Devil, it's infinite crisis announcer bot how can the folks find us online go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed other sf podcasts and blogs subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review you can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com like us at facebook.com slash sfppn check out instagram at sfpodnetwork Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.